This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 656. I am one of your hosts, Dave the Rave. You can check me out on Twitter and on Instagram and also on threads at DavidPTDPT. But more important than I, check us out collectively at Marking out 11 over on Instagram, at Marking out 11 on threads, at Marking out over on Twitter and Twitch and YouTube and everywhere else. You can search us, you can find us, you should be subscribing over to MarkingOut.com. Check us out, Spotify and Apple, depending on the week. But that being said, buy a t-shirt, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Markin out. Go follow Brandon at BTTG161. Go follow Chris at Chris Sweendog over on Twitter and CMSweeney85 over on Instagram. I am here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I am doing awesome-ish as always. How about yourself? <laughs> doing great. How are was you your doing? week? I don't, think so. I don't think you're doing so great. I'm doing amazing. I don't know. It doesn't sound like you're doing amazing. Oh, I am. Tell me, we go going good? I uh, I really didn't do much. I went to Cheesecake Factory, and that's really that's about it. Not much. Nice, what did nice. you do? Anything? I went to New York City, oh, big man, and went to go get Joe's Pizza. Which is uh, actually... What's the price of a slice? Um, I think it was $4. $4 for a slice. four fifty for a slice with a topping. And it was delicious. It is where Peter Parker worked in Spider-Man, uh, the movie. But you and... went specifically just for Joe's Pizza? No, he worked there. No, no. You went specifically for Joe's Pizza? Oh, yes. Yeah, I was meeting up with a few friends, and um, it was incredible, you know, got to meet up with a few friends, because they were new to New York City, and we were like, you know what, let's find a place that we can go, we can eat, we can have fun, and so they wanted to try out some New York City pizza, so, of <laughs> course, we ended up going to Joe's Pizza. No Sabaro? Ew. <laughs> Sabaro. Ugh. No way. Not gonna happen. Sabaro is not terrible pizza, but it's not good New York pizza. It's a step up from Domino's, dude. Yeah. So it's, it's not, a step it's up not from terrible. Domino's. It's not bad. It's not good New York pizza, though. Yeah, but I went with uh, uh, Amen and Armugan, and they are listeners of our podcast, so... Shout out to them. It was an incredible night. We actually, after getting pizza, we ended up going to Bryant Park. Uh, they were having a jazz concert over there. We were just kind of like, they've never been to Bryant Park before. 
So they uh, I don't think I've ever been to Bryant Park before. Really? Yeah, they've never been to Bryant Park before. So I figure, you know what? They're new to the U.S. and everything. So let's explore a little bit. So went for a walk over to Bryant Park. And it just so ended up that they were having a concert there. So we sat down, listened to the concert for a bit, took a walk around to the front of the uh, New York Public Library. And then that was really it. Yeah, really, actually, uh, I... I... I think I have during Christmas time. They have the the villages over there. I believe so. So I think I have been over there. And there's an ice rink. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the place. And I've been to the library because that's where Winnie the Pooh is. There you go. Yeah. So we did that. It was incredible. You know, we got to hang out at Joe's Pizza and uh, really just got to speak. It was actually awesome. We got to catch up, talk about a lot, and especially talking a lot about pro wrestling. They're big pro wrestling fans, so we got to talk about a lot with AEW, a lot with WWE, Attitude Era, the Golden Era, just a little bit of everything, and I, it was just such a great time, so I cannot wait for the next time, so shout out to them, much appreciation, much love for them, but yeah, that was uh, my weekend, but how about we get onto it? And we could kick off some Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. Which uh, they opened up with, uh, throughout the night I should say, they had a lot of tributes to Bray Wyatt. They had tributes to Terry Funk. Uh, We saw like Kevin Owens, New Day, Drew McIntyre, Viking Raiders, uh, Seth Rollins, Tommaso Ciampa, Becky Lynch. They wore armbands. Uh, They also had Bray Wyatt's rocking chair and they played his theme song again with the fireflies they did that on nxt as well so that's still it's just it's just so unfortunate yeah i i agree it's just so so unfortunate still very very fresh in all of us so the tributes were throughout the entire night um and it was nice to see that um, but Monday Night Raw kicked off with Damian Priest picking up a victory over Sami Zayn, which I thought was a good match. It got right into the action. There wasn't like a long promo to open up Monday Night Raw or anything like that. We were we started hot with a a, a match. JD McDonough got involved to help Damian Priest win. Priest ends up shoving him down afterwards. Yeah, Damian Priest didn't appreciate that at all. No, and Kevin Owens showed up, and him and Sami Zayn took JD McDonough out, and Damian Priest just stood there and watched it happen. And then Finn Balor was pissed off at Damian Priest for that, and Priest was like, we need to focus on the Judgment Day. We don't need to focus on people who are not in the Judgment Day. And Finn Balor put JD McDonough over as the reason why Damian Priest won his match. And Rhea Ripley, she's obviously pissed off again, and she said that if they don't all walk out at payback as champions, then there's going to be some major problems. And uh, I don't know how... uh, I, I don't see them walking out as champions. I... You know what? I wouldn't actually put it past them walking out as champions. I wouldn't put it past them actually becoming champions and then 
maybe it's being able to fuse Judgment Day just a little bit. I mean, you could always have J.D. McDonough help them win the championship, which causes a little bit of annoyance from Damian Priest that J.D. McDonough helped them get the championship. Why do you, why do you say championship and not championships? Championships. <laughs> but you know? uh, Sami Zayn was annoyed with everything that happened, and he said that they're going to do... They're going to do it one more time at Payback. And Kevin Owens said that they're going to leave. Uh, they're going to they're gonna have a uh, Steel City street fight. So that sets up that match for Payback. We had The Miz come out where LA Knight's music hit. And it was The Miz. I thought for a very split second that LA Knight got a haircut. But... I thought it was nice to see Miz do this. I like when he dresses up as his opponents. We've seen him do The Rock. We've seen him do John Cena. So, yeah, this was really... Uh, he he nailed it, too. The The crowd popped for LA Knight's theme song. And then it went into everything else with The Miz. And I thought, I think that The Miz is just so entertaining. Yeah, and he called L.A. Knight generic and said that anybody can be L.A. Knight and and uh, dressed up as him, basically, to prove that point. Yeah, and this is very similar to what we've seen, uh, I guess, other pro wrestlers call out L.A. Knight for. Well, I mean, others as in, who was it? Was it Kevin Nash? Yeah, I, I think it was Kevin and Nash. And then like... Kevin Nash apologized because he doesn't watch the show? That I don't know. I think that was a weird thing to have called out, but yeah, I I don't know if if uh, he apologized. No, I believe but that's it would what be, he did. It then that's weird that he called him out and then apologized, saying that he didn't watch the product. Yeah, like okay. But earlier in the night, we saw Drew McIntyre and Matt Riddle backstage, and McIntyre had an eight by ten that Riddle had given him. And it featured Drew McIntyre in matching Riddle gear. And then he pitched going out to watch the next match to scout Viking Raiders or New Day. And we have the Viking Raiders pick up the victory over New Day, which I was very surprised about. I was very happy with this, you know? As I think you probably were too. I mean, Viking Raiders getting a victory is... Is incredible. I liked Matt Riddle sitting ringside taking notes and clapping along for New Day and everything like that. Yeah. And I thought it was a good match. We had Eric and Drew have a stare down at one point, And Xavier Woods got super fired up in this match. I don't know if we've seen that in a while from Xavier Woods. But Ivar ended up throwing New Day into... McRiddle, I guess you'd call them, is what. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to get sued or what, but uh, McIntyre ends up throwing chairs and accidentally beams Xavier Woods right in the face. Right before Ivar took him out. And the referee didn't see the chair throw, didn't see the chair hit. And I think it was a pretty good way to have New Day lose and start the Viking Raiders... Uh, sense of destruction or whatever. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought that it was a very, very well thought out, uh, uh, especially because it causes tension within New Day and Riddle with McIntyre as well. That little tear, even though 
I mean, we saw last week uh, they were nice to them. And they offered up this match. And Drew McIntyre did check on Xavier Woods later on. And Kofi's like, I know you didn't mean it. Woods knows you didn't mean it. We're good. But now Drew McIntyre wants the Viking Raiders next week. So it does, to me, even though they look like they're all good between McRiddle and New Day, it does a little tear. Yeah. I mean, you also saw Kofi Kingston kind of give like a little bit of a stare. So um, after Riddle and McIntyre walked away, so maybe we'll see Kofi Kingston get revenge. Yeah, right now uh, I think they announced Xavier Woods is out for two weeks, perhaps. Yeah, with a strain of the neck. So we'll see what happens. But next up, you had Gunter come on out to the ring with Imperium, cut in a promo on the commentary table, which I love that he always cuts his promos on the commentary table. Yeah. I think that's, that's, I don't know. I feel like it's just him declaring his dominance. And and it was basically about how Chad Gable didn't win anything. And he was pissed off that he basically lost the way he lost, I guess. But Chad Gable's going to be facing Gunter next week on Monday Night Raw for the Intercontinental Championship. I know a lot of people, including myself, thought it would have been at payback but I guess they want to get as close as as close to that record as possible even yeah because that record I believe is Friday um I believe so so and, and then Chad Gable came out and he responded before he he had his match and he made fun of Gunter for losing and Losing after for the first time in uh, what was like two years since coming up to the main roster. I mean, there's really nothing to make fun of him with that about. Well, I guess maybe in the the sense like I did it, like na 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 that sort of thing. But Gable Gable ends up picking up the victory over Ludwig Kaiser via disqualification. He obviously needed to win this match going into an Intercontinental Championship match next week, but. We saw Gunter get pissed off at Chad Gable. He walks off. And that ended up leaving Imperium by themselves. And I think this was pretty close to being on par with his match with Gunter. I think Kaiser did very well in this match against Chad Gable. And vice versa. Yeah, I, I thought that the pairing was very match. It was matched up really well. They had good chemistry. I think uh, it was a great spot when Chad Gable went for that diving headbutt. Kaiser put his legs up, and Gable mid air changes his flight, lands on his on his feet, and locked Kaiser in an ankle lock. Kaiser eventually got out of that, but Gable hits that chaos theory, goes for the pin, and Giovanni Vinci breaks it up right before the the three count finishes. And then we saw Otis jump in. He took, uh, did he get taken out? Or did he take out, he took out Giovanni Vinci, actually? I forgot it. I think he took out Vinci because then I think Kaiser joined back in and Imperium was beating Otis down and then Chad Gable tried to fight back and then they beat him down. And then Gunter came down to watch and powerbomb Chad Gable, but I believe Chad Gable reversed that into a, an ankle lock. Ankle lock. Yeah, leading to Imperium attacking Gable, and then uh, Walter Gunther going in there, getting the powerbomb to 
Yeah. Add the exclamation point. So they're really like, they're doing a good job of building up Gable. They're doing a good job at building up this Intercontinental Championship reign. And again, I would not hate it if Chad Gable wins the championship next week on Monday Night Raw, but I don't. I don't want to see that when he's this close to beating the record. I'm going to say I don't see him winning and I and I also don't want him winning it right now. Yeah, but would you I mind? Will... Like it would you'd be happy for Chad Gable? Honestly, it's like one of those scenarios where it's like I would be happy but I don't want to see that because he's so close to breaking the Honky Tonk Man's record. That's the thing. I don't I wouldn't be happy with it. I want him to break the record. And it I would still be, be fantastic. Gunter, who pitched it? Oh, man. But I, I don't know what what Gable could do with the championship after. Right. But That's the thing. Like, where 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 does he go from there? So He just dethroned Gunter, who is the top of the ladder, pretty much, in the division. What next? Uh, yeah, I don't know. But a, a while back, Miz had... He did, a, he did a TikTok video where he said that when he was Intercontinental Champion, he had pitched a match for WrestleMania where it would be like a former Intercontinental Champion's like gauntlet match where it would end with him facing Ultimate Warrior or something, I believe. And I think that would be a cool thing to have for Gunter. That would be awesome. Because he could dominate. I don't know who the Intercontinental Champions you're going to be putting him in there with. Certainly one of them has to be Honky Tonk Man where he's pissed off like, you broke my record, screw this, blah, blah, blah. He has to be in there. And then Honky Tonk gets his one bump in the match. Boom, down. Move on to the next person in the gauntlet. Well, I mean, if if the, it depends on also where you have it take place because if it takes well, if place I'm, in Saudi Arabia WrestleMania here if, it could, it could, no but if it takes place in Saudi Arabia you know no, they're going to request WrestleMania <laughs> if it takes place in Saudi Arabia you know they're going to request Ultimate Warrior Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, to join I don't know race. I think they're over that by now <laughs> but uh, we'll see what happens next week with the Intercontinental Championship we had Seth Rollins come out and cut a promo he opened his segment with Yowie Wowie and his championship has a fiend plate on it now, which I think is cool. But he called Shinsuke Nakamura out, and when Nakamura didn't show up, he made fun of him for fans no longer singing his theme song. Fans think, sing my song, they don't sing your song. And then another Shinsuke Nakamura video aired. That, but that didn't really make sense to me, because people do still yeah, do Nakamura's I feel like they theme still song do, at times. Yeah. But if anything, I feel like it's going to be a call to action to sing his theme song, which they I did. I don't know. I, I don't know about that. They did. After he, he interfered, they played off his theme song, and they did it. Well, Nakamura, they, they he mentioned Seth Rollins' family again and basically said he's going to break Seth Rollins' back. And he wants to know, uh, did, he, did he question, like, what did he say with Becky? Like, he wants Becky to know the reason why Seth can't move or something is because of him. Something like that. And Seth Rollins is like, what happened to the Tokyo Domain eventer? What happened to Shinsuke Nakamura who lit the world on fire when you debuted in NXT? And basically said his back's not going to be stopping him from stopping Nakamura. And then Nakamura showed up from behind, dropped Seth Rollins, and knocked him out. 
I don't think Nakamura is going to be winning the championship, but this feud has done so much for Shinsuke Nakamura. I honestly, I would be okay if Nakamura wins, and I, I don't know. Nakamura can technically win, and because this could be the match that really brings back that strong style Nakamura that we haven't had in a long time, because that could be a dominant title reign if Nakamura does have that strong style and as we saw in that promo well the vignette that that is what it looks like he is really reminding us who he is I wouldn't put him past him winning I just I don't see it yet yeah but I think the 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 championship reign of of Seth Rollins is still too new So, I I don't know. I'd be okay with it. But next up, you had Champa pick up the victory over Bronson Reed. Uh, Champa was able to lift up Bronson Reed and him with that uh that move. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Bronson Reed started the match first, I guess, by attacking Champa during his entrance, and I think this was a good hard hitting match. The ending yeah. was, I think, the only part for me that was like, ugh. Because I, I think it was awkward. Like Michael Cole even pointed out, the crucifix bomb pin. I don't think that really turned out how they would have wanted it to, but I don't think it actually took away from the match itself. No, I thought it was a fine, fine match. After that, Rhea Ripley had a promo. Tiffany Stratton was in the crowd. NXT Women's Champion. There's rumors that she's going to be doing stuff with Becky Lynch. We don't know. But Rhea Ripley spoke about Raquel Rodriguez faking an injury last week to get one over on her. And then Raquel eventually came out. They fought. Dominic was uh, left in the ring by himself with Raquel. And she ends up turning her back to deal with him. And Rhea Ripley almost got the upper hand from that. But Raquel reversed it and... They, they split up, but I like the, the story here that nobody can match the power of Rhea Ripley except for Raquel Rodriguez. So I agree. I, I, I think it's really a, really awesome. I do like that. I forgot where I saw it, but they did a throwback to where they were friends in NXT. And I think that it's going to... I think that this match is going to be incredible. Well, I hope. But next up, you had Becky Lynch pick up the victory over Zoe Stark in a false count anywhere match. And I got to say, this match didn't do anything for me. What? I don't know. This match was the best match of the night, maybe? No no shade to Gable and, and Kaiser. This I thought this was a great match. I think this... This match felt more what they should have had for the Brawling Brutes and, and the Street Profits on SmackDown to have a Terry Funk hardcore match. This, I thought, was fantastic. And Michael Cole hyped the absolute heck out of this being a False Count Anywhere match. So I'm glad that the very first pinfall attempt was outside the ring. We saw Trish Stratus throw a chair at Zoe Stark at one point and it hit her right in the face. I don't know if that was planned or not. But I think it was a funny spot that took place. But 
Trish Stratus, she continued to get involved throughout the match. And Becky Lynch, finally, she beats her down with a kendo stick, chases her off. Becky Lynch hits a suplex on a pile of chairs that Trish Stratus put there herself. And then Trish Stratus returned when Becky Lynch went for that manhandle slam on the the commentary table. And Trish hit the, the bulldog off that platform through the crowd, or in the crowd through a table. And... Which I don't remember see, seeing them set up the table. I think it might have just been like... The platform I don't think is normally either there. Even there. But uh, I just thought this was such a good... Even the ending. They went into the crowd and, and Becky Lynch just kept fighting back over and over again. Zoe ends up clocking Trish Stratus off the production case by mistake. And Trish bumps through a table. And then Becky Lynch puts her through a table off the, the production case and, and picks up the victory from that. And I thought that was a fantastic match. I thought this was a great close to Monday Night Raw. And then, of course, Becky Lynch, uh, she closed Monday Night Raw by holding up her Bray Wyatt armband and crying, which was so tough to see. And yeah, she cut a promo off air, too. Yeah, she told a story afterwards about how Bray, when she first came up to the main roster, she was booked for a tables match. And Bray Wyatt went up to her and, and and asked her if she, like, knows what she's doing with these tables. And she didn't know how to set it up. She didn't know how to move them. She didn't do, she didn't know anything, like, in regards to the tables. And he worked with her and and taught her everything with the tables and everything. And I thought that was a really cool story to, to close Monday Night Raw with, or off air at least. So, yeah. But but I thought a very, very well-done match that leads to the, the pay-per-view. But that's Monday Night Raw moving over to NXT that opens up with the Creeds picking up the victory over the Dyad in a steel cage match. So now the Creeds are back on NXT. This match started out confusing because Schism members attack Brutus before the match. They carry him off to the back. And the match somehow starts just leaving Julius in a handicap match. And that, to me, doesn't make any sense. But while we had that handicap match, Julius Creed, I think maybe the best thing I saw in pro wrestling this past week, hits a one-armed powerbomb on, on Jagger while he had Rip locked in an ankle lock. Yeah, this was very impressive. I mean, you saw everybody really touting this spot out there. I thought it was great. And then Brutus made his way back out. He took some members of Schism out and chased Joe Gacy around the ring. Joe Gacy had the the key to the cage. And Brutus was like, screw this, and goes right up to the door, rips the door off the the hinges. I thought that was a great spot. Obviously, I, I have to assume it's... It's a dummied up door or whatever, but yeah, not nothing like Mark Henry actually breaking through a chain, even though that took forever to do <laughs> it. But I mean, I think both spots looked impressive, um, but he got into the ring. They used the door as a weapon, did a little Terry Funk spot, I believe even. Um, and then they, they did a good like double clothesline to each person to finish the match. And I thought this was just a very good way to, to start NXT this week. Yeah. Hot open. 
Then we move over to Butch, picking up the victory over Charlie Dempsey to advance in the Global Heritage Invitational. Charlie Dempsey, for some reason, is representing the United States, which is... Yeah, I didn't understand that, Perry. <laughs> like, maybe because he's with um, with Drew Gulak, maybe that's why he's representing the United States. But he's from Blackpool, England, his son of William Regal. I, and I think this was definitely a match that William Regal could have been like watching, like smiling from ear to ear watching. Cause we know the history between Pete Dunn and William Regal. So that's true. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. I wish it was longer and I'm very surprised that Butch won. I thought Charlie Dempsey was going to be advancing in this, but we'll, we'll talk more about him in, in a, a bit, but yeah. this match I just thought was really, really good. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more Butch on, on NXT, and then later on, NXT Anonymous caught Miles Bourne. He was in the ring sweeping and by himself. Fallon Henley spoke to him and asked him if he wants to team with Briggs and Jensen and get on TV right away next week to, to take on Drew Gulak, Charlie Dempsey, and Damon Kemp. He's a student of, of Drew Gulak right now, so I can't see that going over well with Drew Gulak, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with him and, and seeing how pissed off he is about Miles accepting the invitation from Fallon. Yeah, I think Miles definitely should have spoken to Gulak before that one because Gulak is definitely not gonna appreciate it. But in the that same sense, Drew Gulak's kind of been treating him like like trash. True. So he yelled at him for not even having a water bottle the other day. So this gets him in a match. This gets him on TV. He wants to have that moment. So we'll see what happens. Very true. After this backstage, Dragon Lee was being interviewed. And Mustafa Ali interrupted it to say that Dragon Lee struck out against Dominic. So now it's up to him to take the title from Dominic. We saw Rhea Ripley and Dominic respond, I think it was via Instagram later on, basically saying Dominic's going to be champion for for life. It doesn't matter who faces him next, so he wants Mustafa Ali and Dragon Lee to face each other, and then he'll face the winner at NXT No Mercy. But he's going to be the guest referee between the two of them. So I, I think that's a nice stipulation to add to it. And I this. think it'll be funny to watch him because he's obviously not going to call it down the middle for either of them. So I think that should be a, an entertaining aspect to add to it. Yeah. After that, Ilya Dragunov came out where he put Trick Williams over, moved on to Carmelo Hayes, and said it's time to get a shot at, at Carmelo Hayes. And that was then interrupted by Noam Dar. He's like, I'm doing a Supernova Sessions right now. And Ilya was like, I'm, I'll go up to you right now if you want. And they they stopped him. And Noam Dar was like, they should make it official for next week. You in a match versus... And then Oro Mensa was down there. So he attacked Ilya Dragunov and ended up retreating because you don't mess with Ilya Dragunov. Yeah, Dragunov is, I think, the... Next big thing of NXT. I mean, he could have been that for a long time. I, I Well, he unfortunately got injured, but... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've been taunting him since NXT UK. Yeah. Like, years ago. 
I mean, not just me, like eventually when it catches on, when people see like, oh, Ilya Dragunov versus Walter, let me watch that. And then it turns out to be like a nominee for match of the year or something. Yeah, that's true. That was a big, huge uh, awakening to drag it off to the WWE universe. But uh, I think wrestling fans in general, not just WWE universe. That's true. After that, there was a Von Wagner promo where he cut one on Braun Breaker about Braun blindsiding him last week. And he laid out a challenge for a no DQ match. I thought for sure his whole gimmick, you're going to get tabled. I thought for sure it was going to be a table match, a tables match. Should have been. But it wasn't. It sets up a no DQ match. And then Baron Corbin later on was was he was yelling at a production guy, which was funny. And Braun Breaker interrupted him and asked for Corbin to thank him. And Corbin was kind of annoyed by that. And Breaker kind of threatened Baron Corbin and warned him not do not get involved next week in that no DQ match. And Corbin like laughed it off. He's like how about you don't get put through a table? So I have to assume we're going to see Baron Corbin show up. Maybe we're going to see a triple threat. We said this the other week, I think. Last week, a triple threat table match maybe at no mercy. Maybe. Would it be elimination style? or? I have no idea. I don't. It has to be. I have no idea how to do a triple. I said it last week. I don't know how you do a triple threat table match. but Yeah, it has to be either elimination style or first person through. Yeah, I don't know. But earlier in the night, we saw the family backstage and Carmelo Hayes showed up. They put each other over as champions and then the Street Profits showed up. So maybe this sets up, they they looked at the tag team titles. I don't know if it's going to set up a, a tag team match in the future between the Street Profits and the family. But it was interrupted by a brawl with Lola Vice, Electra Lopez, Dana Brooke, and Kalani Jordan. And it leads into the match where we see Lola Vice and Electra Lopez pick up the victory over Dana Brooke and Kalani Jordan. And this, we don't, we have not really seen much from Lola Vice and Electra Lopez as a team yet. So this, I thought, was a very good showing for them. They they even, at one point, uh, Electra Lopez held on to Lola's arm to prevent Kalani Jordan from doing an arm drag. And I thought that was a very good spot. And we saw Dana Brooks show off a lot more aggression in this match. But the fans won't ever notice it. No, but that led to the downfall for that team. The heels were the ones being cheered, by the way. That 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 goes back to the saying, the fans aren't going to notice it. The heels were being cheered. And I think that that's one of the things also, I don't think that they're giving Dana, I think it's a Dana Brooke thing too. For some reason, I don't know why. I mean, same thing with you, why the fans just really despise Dana Brooke so much. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I thought it was a very nice, it was like, I guess you would say maybe a black mass and a spine buster finish from Lola and Electra Lopez. I thought that was a cool ending tag move. Yeah. After that, we saw Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes backstage. And Trick was like, I spoke to the Street Profits. Maybe he was going to be like, oh, I got advice. Maybe he was going to say, I got us a tag match. But Carmelo Hayes interrupted him. And he's like, I can't have people thinking the only reason why I'm still champion is because of you. 
Yeah. So he's questioning whether or not he could beat Ilya, and he asks Trick, and Trick pauses a long, very, very long pause. And Carmelo Hayes is like, I guess that's all I need to know. Carmelo Hayes leaves, and Trick goes, I don't think... I think he says, I don't think you can beat him. Pause. I know you can. But by that time, he's already out of the room. So there's some like... Some like cracks between them, perhaps. Yeah. It's true. Match after that, we saw Dijak pick up the victory over Eddie Thorpe. Which got started right away. I think even before the bell, if I'm not mistaken. But Dijak ended up taking off his belt and wrapped it around his hand. He ends up dropping it. And Eddie Thorpe tried to use it. They went back and forth trying to use Dijak's belt. And Dijak ended up tossing Eddie Thorpe over the commentary table at one point. They both tried to use a steel chair. And when the referee was distracted getting rid of that steel chair, Dijak wrapped his fist in the, the belt again and and punched Eddie Thorpe. For me, this sets up... I know it's not... I, they're using a belt. For me, this sets up a strap match. I could see that. Dijak cheated to win. This has to end with a strap match. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's no... I think that... It has to be that strap match. What do you think is going to be the next step for Dijak, though? Uh, that's the same thing. I don't know. It's hard to like predict what's the next step for some of them. Yeah. Especially when we know their potential. Very much so. But next up, we had the Los Lotharios. Yeah, Angel, Angel woke up with blood on his hands. And then Umberto said that he had a dream about their grandfather. And Angel told him that he had the same dream. And then they came to the conclusion that maybe they had the same dream. He also woke up with claw scratches. And then Umberto was like, me too. And they both like realized that. And it, they returned to the ring next week. Or return. I don't know if it said return to the ring. So... I have to assume it's going to be a match, and I have to assume they're, they're going to win. And I have yeah, to we're assume we're going to see a more serious side this. of them. Yeah. So. After that, we saw Joe Coffey pick up the victory over Nathan Fraser to advance in the Global Heritage Invitational. Um, it was fast-paced at times. A little hard-hitting. You got, like, the best of both worlds from Joe Coffey being the hard-hitting part. Nathan Fraser being the fast-paced, even uh, a little bit too fast-paced. Scary spot, yeah. He almost like uh, could have gotten hurt on that that rope there. Yeah, that like that just looked like that hurt so much. He just went right into the ropes, and it looked like I guess maybe he just went too hard and uh, caught on the rebound, caught his entire head on the top of the rope. Very, very dangerous. Yeah. Also, I am disappointed that this tournament isn't fully taking place on NXT. It's okay. It's taking place on Level Up as well. Uh huh. So I don't think we're gonna get to see Tazawa's match unless we watch um, Level Up. Level Up, and it also it's kind of disappointing that 
they didn't go with like the May Young route or the Cruiserweight Classic route, but I get it at the same time. Because if you were to debut somebody in this, then I feel like they'd have to be the one that win it. Um, depends on the match. I don't know. I mean, in the past with the Heritage and, well, I guess more so May Young Classic and stuff like that and even the tag team matches in the past when you had a person that was relatively unknown or maybe like an indie superstar, they didn't necessarily always win. I mean, the outcome of those matches were... (laughs) I mean... Maybe we just knew too many. No, but not even knowing too many, though. The outcomes were... They were all, to me, not underdogs, but underdogs. Uh Uh-huh. Like, they weren't, for the most part, like, huge parts of the WWE Universe. So... That's true. But, like, the the first match of this Invitational, the outcome of this surprised me. I thought Fraser was going over. So, I thought it was cool that Joe Coffey picked up the victory there. Yeah. Backstage, we had another Chase U segment where Andre Chase asked Duke Hudson where Thea Hale was. And he also put Duke over as a competitor in the Global Heritage Invitational. They did something funny about him being from Australia and not New Zealand. And Thea showed up after class. Duke played both sides here. And then she made plans to go out with JC Jane. So, like I said, it seems like we're going to get this, like, corrupted side of Thea Hale. I'm all for it. Main event of NXT saw Kiana James, surprisingly, maybe? Is that surprise? I would say surprisingly. Yeah, i say surprise. Picked up the victory over Blair Davenport, Gigi Dolan, and Roxanne Perez to become the number one contender for the Women's Championship. I thought this was a really good match. It made sense yeah, that I we mean, saw Gigi and um, uh, Kiana James go at it with each other. It made sense for Roxanne Perez and Blair Davenport to go at it with each other. I thought the uh, the the fatal that the fatal four way, just the four way submission that that they had was an interesting one. And I kind of wish that Roxanne Perez was able to flip it over into a Boston Crab, but that unfortunately didn't happen. And I. Like I said, surprising because I definitely thought either Roxanne or Blair would win this. So, Kiana James coming out of nowhere, for me, I think is a pretty crazy victory. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I I was surprised by it. I didn't expect uh, Kiana James to come out as the winner, especially seeing that Perez, Dolan, and Davenport are all three of them are hugely established in NXT and outside of NXT too. So, for number one contender to go to James... I mean, even even the the crowd were they were shocked as well, and I thought the winner would be facing Tiffany Stratton at No Mercy, but it's happening next week on NXT. Yeah, and then the program ends with Carmelo Hayes watching Wesley's video that he put out earlier about Wesley taking time off, and then he walked into HBK's office, and I assume it's about No Mercy. He said, "We have to talk," and that was the end of NXT. So, 
what he was talking about. I don't. I I have to assume that's another match between Dragonoff and and Carmelo Hayes. Given everything uh, else that took place, I need to know whether or not I'm good enough against yeah. Ilya Dragunov, whether or not I can beat him without Trick Williams. Okay. So, but then, I mean, I don't want to see Dragunov lose. Well, I think it would happen that he would lose. I guess. Because Carmelo Hayes, that whole storyline, fighting himself, am I good enough? Yeah. Now I know I'm good enough. And then they could handshake or whatever after the match. Okay. And then maybe somebody right. else steps up. I don't know. I feel like Dragunov has too much going for him there. He can't I don't he I can't see him losing. I don't I don't think he needs to win in order to stay where he's at. I don't think he needs to win, but I also just can't see him lose. Well, that was NXT moving over to SmackDown. John Cena opened the show, thanking everybody, all the fans, and uh, announced that he'll be hosting Payback. Jimmy Uso interrupted, and I had no clue who the hell it was for, like, uh, well, until they showed the Titantron, because I, I didn't recognize it was a brand new theme song. But he asked John Cena why he was there. He called John Cena corrupted and said him and Roman Reigns are a lot alike. All they do is take, and the only main difference between John Cena and Roman Reigns is that John Cena does it with a smile. And then John Cena said that the wrong Uso quit. Jimmy went for a super kick. John Cena um, caught that, hit him with an attitude adjustment. Later on, Jimmy Uso went to Adam Pierce, who was talking to me, Yim. And Adam Pierce, he was rude to somebody backstage. He was rude to Mia Yim in that segment. And Adam Pierce told him to stop being rude to everybody. Mia went to the Good Brothers about it. And they were like, eh, don't worry about it. AJ Styles was annoyed by it, though. And when Jimmy went to leave, AJ confronted him and Solo took AJ Styles out. And Solo told Jimmy that he's out of the bloodline when they say he's out of the bloodline. But Jimmy still left, and it sets up AJ Styles versus Solo Sokoa, even though the Good Brothers still tried to talk AJ out of it. I found that to be quite interesting. They're there just to get paid, I guess. I don't know. They don't want to work. I don't know. That's funny. But uh, Or they don't want to deal with problems when they don't have to. Grayson Waller and Austin Theory were interviewed afterwards, and uh, they basically said the only thing that they care about they, they don't care about John Cena hosting Payback. The only thing they actually care about is the Grayson Waller effect at Payback with Cody Rhodes. And then that leads into Grayson Waller and Austin Theory picking up the victory over the LWO. Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar. And we saw Grayson Waller accidentally clock Austin Theory and they fully recovered from that. I thought that was going to be like the downfall of the match. They recovered. Escobar ends up pushing Rey Mysterio out of the way of Austin Theory. But Austin Theory takes out Santos Escobar's knee. And then Grayson Waller hit that stunner and and picked up the victory there. And I just thought it was interesting that they didn't let that little slip up phase them at all. Especially for, for Theory to be like, oh, you like he didn't care that he got clocked by his partner at all. I thought that was interesting. After that, Bobby Lashley came out 
and uh, brought the Street Profits out and basically just said that greatness recognizes greatness and they in turn wanted to thank him for their success as of late and they're coming for all the gold. That's it. After that, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn picked up the victory of the LWO. Not much of a match here. And I think I would have put a heel team in this spot to lose to the champions. I didn't really get having the LWO. You like you have Ray and Santos have that big win, and then Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wild, they they eat the loss. I don't I didn't get that. After that, Miz and LA Knight went face to face in a segment where LA Knight brought up the past people that Miz dressed up as. And he said that the all, all three of them have something in common. That being that Miz wants to be them. And then he told Miz that he got that Miz got to ride in on his reality show glory and level up that way. And I really don't think that's true. We've heard stories in the past where Miz struggled at the beginning of his career due to the locker room and not being accepted but they went back and forth, and I thought it was a, a overall. I thought it was a good segment. I thought it was funny when Miz said that the people relate to LA Knight because they were failures. I wasn't expecting that to come out of his mouth, but Miz went after LA Knight, and Knight ducked it. Miz ends up coming out on the top uh, in the ring there, hitting a skull crushing finale, and then LA Knight jumped Miz on the ramp, and it got broken up. After that, Shotzi Blackheart picked up the victory over Bailey. I like how Shotzi played this almost like creepy character in the beginning. And Bailey at first was scared. She got over it. She started to mock Shotzi for the haircut. And the match I thought was going fine. And Bailey ends up asking EO Sky for the championship to use. And then Charlotte shows up. She brawls with EO. Dakota Kai got caught trying to cheat behind the referee's back. And when he was dealing with Dakota Kai, Charlotte Flair did cheat. She helped Shotzi win, and I really don't think that segment needed Charlotte. But it sets up a tag team match for next week on SmackDown. The main event saw Solo Sokoa pick up the victory over AJ Styles. AJ started off hot, but it's Solo Sokoa. So you're you're really not going to be controlling Solo for a long period of time. I do wish that this was a more hard-hitting match. And Jimmy showed up, knocked AJ Styles off the ropes behind the referee's back, and Solo won because of that. And Paul Heyman was shocked to see that. Solo went to go hit Jimmy with that with that Samoan spike, and Paul Heyman put a stop to it. They left the ring, and Jimmy took AJ Styles out. So it seems like we're moving on to... Bloodline versus OC or something like that. So we'll see what happens there. That was SmackDown moving over to Payback, taking place in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the PPG Paints Arena. That's a uh, breathful to say. Um, It's kind of like a, a short card right now. And I feel like this yeah, is going to stay I this mean, short. Could you... I mean, we don't know if it's going to stay this short because of Smack. Well, I guess we don't know if it's going to stay this short. But also, it could be a few extended, like maybe a 20-minute match here yeah. and there. But we, we have Miz versus LA Knight. I got to have to assume uh, LA Knight's winning. I was going to say Miz. Yeah, I'm going Miz LA Knight. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, LA Knight. Steel Cage match, Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. Hopefully this is like the best match that they've had in their their feud. I'll go with Becky. Yeah, I think Becky Lynch too. But then again, no, because... I don't know, because maybe Becky Lynch loses and she's like, well, god damn it, maybe I gotta go back down to NXT and that's when we see her step up to Stratton. I mean, I saw places that Becky Lynch may take a time off too. But there's those rumors of her and Tiffany Stratton. There had to have been a reason why Tiffany Stratton was on Monday Night Raw. True. I don't know. That's a tough one to call. I'm gonna stick with Becky Lynch though. All right. I would love to see Trish Stratus win, and I'd like to see Trish continue. I, I'm I'm a fan of Trish Stratus. I don't think I'll ever not be a fan of hers. Yeah. So I would I would definitely like to see her stay on the main roster. Well, U.S. Championship on the line. Rey Mysterio defending against Austin Theory. I'm going Rey Mysterio. Yeah, Rey. 100% Rey. I mean, why is he champion? I don't know. But he's going to win. I don't think we're going <laughs> to differentiate on any match except for one. Uh, I don't know. Maybe more than one. The women's championship on the line. Rhea Ripley defending the title against Raquel Rodriguez. Rhea Ripley. I'm going Rhea Ripley. Oh, more than one here. Okay, perhaps we'll see a uh, Steel City Street fight for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defending those titles against the Judgment Day. Here's where I say Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Here's where you say the Judgment Day. Yeah, I'm saying Judgment Day. And then for the World Heavyweight Championship, Seth Rollins defending the title against Shinsuke Nakamura. Is that where I say Seth Rollins and you say Nakamura? Or are you going to stick with Seth Rollins? I'm going to go with Nakamura. I'm going on a whim over here. Hmm. It's more so of a Mark Dreams kind of a pick too because I want to see that strong style Nakamura with a title run. But I totally understand why Rollins wouldn't lose right now. I understand how much he has going for him. But then if you take into account his injuries too, I don't know. Well, those are predictions for WWE Payback. Going to take a quick break right now. And I'll be right back for AEW here on Marking Out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your hero, Chris Hero. And you're listening to... Marking out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out, episode 656. Um, back here for the AEW portion. Chris, unfortunately, again, is not with us, but I'm going to go back to AEW Rampage from last week. They opened up with a graphic to pay tribute to Bray Wyatt. That was, uh, I thought, very, very nice. Uh, the first match, though, we saw Orange Cassidy pick up the victory over Aaron Solo to retain. Harley Cameron got involved behind the referee's back and then he recovered from that and the match continued and she got involved again in the ring where the referee caught her that time. And while the referee was distracted, Aaron Solo clocked Orange Cassidy with her boot, but it's an Orange Cassidy match, so he fully recovered and won the match. After that, QT Marshall picked up the victory over Gravity to retain the AAA Latin American Championship. Uh, QT Marshall had a sit-down interview with Jim Ross beforehand, and he questioned why he's not a bigger star in AEW and why he has to go all the way to Mexico to another country to win a championship. And he also brought up how he doesn't have a, a, a wrestling figure, but Excalibur 
has a wrestling figure. And uh, then he also cut a promo in Spanish beforehand where Johnny TV was on commentary uh, translating. So I liked that promo. Gravity, I think it was a fun match to watch and it made for what I think was probably the best match from Rampage. Kudos to QT Marshall and Gravity for that match. After that, Luchasaurus picked up the victory over Ren Jones. It's nothing, it led to nothing. Main event saw the Outcast pick up the victory over Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida. I thought a majority of this was good, but I just hate that the referee didn't even attempt to gain control of the match. We saw Ruby get involved. We saw Chris Statlander carry her to the back. That I thought was kind of cringe. But Tony Storm went to use the spray paint on Britt Baker. She ends up using it on Hikaru Shida. And Britt Baker turned her back to check on Shida. And that really led to the end of the match. Uh, for Saray to, I guess, pick up the victory there. And then the Outcast played tug of war over the championship. And I thought this was a, a very good ending leading to their match at All In. So... Again, kudos to AEW for an ending like that. Moving over to AEW Collision, it opened up with the FTW Championship Retirement Ceremony where Hook returned. Hook obviously was returning. Hook was obviously going to be setting up for a match at All In. I think everyone saw this coming, and this probably should have stayed on Dynamite last week and had something else from uh, Dynamite move to Collision. After that, Eddie Kingston and Orange Cassidy and uh, Penta teamed up to take on The Butcher, The Blade, and Kip Sabian. Penelope Ford got involved, and overall, the referee just had no control of this match. I do wish that we got more of Eddie Kingston versus The Butcher here, though. So, maybe we'll see a singles match down the line. Uh, We saw the best friends come out afterwards to address their stadium stampede opponents. Blackpool Combat Club appeared on the screen to respond to them. Uh, John Moxley kind of put all of this on Eddie Kingston. And we still don't really get a reason why Proud and Powerful chose Blackpool Combat Club over Eddie Kingston. But Eddie went to the back to find them and he like just missed them. And he said that he doesn't want to hurt Proud and Powerful or John Moxley. He just wants to hurt Wheeler Yuta. And Claudio. After that, the Dark Order picked up the victory over Action Andretti and Darius Martin. Uh, I think this was the best match on Collision. And it wasn't like it was a long match. It wasn't like there was so much put into this match. I just think the other matches weren't anything to really go over. That's probably the wrong word. But uh, I think it's goofy that we saw Dark Order beat the Elite on Rampage 100 and then really nothing from them. So hopefully they end up winning the Battle Royal. and But I don't even think they'd end up winning the tag titles. After that, there was an acclaimed music video. That's cool. Big Bill picked up the victory over Very Morales. The main thing to mention here is that Ricky Starks beat Morales with Steamboat's belt. After that, Willow Nightingale picked up the victory over Robin Renegade. 
it wasn't exactly a squash match like the other two matches that it's sandwiched in between. But it's not like I could have thought that Robin Renegade was going to be winning. And it did go longer than I expected it to, so I'm happy about that. Charlotte ended up getting involved. Willow took her out and fully recovered, and, and obviously she was she there was no way Willow was losing. After that, Keith Lee picked up the victory over Zicky Dice, who I've not seen in, in quite some time. He looked a lot different from the last time I saw him. No more blonde hair, but there, I again, like with Willow or even with uh, Big Bill, there's no way they were losing. So it's cool that Zicky Dice appeared on Collision. I would like to see more Zicky Dice. Uh, after that, LFI had their movie vignette promo where they had Drillistico and Preston Vance with bags over their heads, getting the absolute life beat out of them. Uh, a lot of people compared this to Lucha Underground, which I could definitely see where they're coming from in saying that. But LFI ends up coming out on top, and I, it says to be continued, so obviously we'll see more of it, but... I have to assume it'll lead to Roosh being happy that they were able to overcome so many, I guess, terrorists, kidnappers. I don't know what you would call this here. It was all set up by Roosh, so I don't know if they'd technically be terrorists. But um, but yeah, Roosh is just building up that family. Meanwhile, I don't know where the hell Andrade's been. We haven't seen him in weeks since he won the mask back from, from uh, was it? Buddy, or was it Malachi at this point? I don't remember. I think it was Buddy. Fantastic match. After that, Samoa Joe came out, cut a promo about how he's going to do commentary. And I feel like if you're going to do that, just go do commentary. You don't need to do a promo. That could could have gone to more time for another match. He could have said everything he did in this in this commentary promo on commentary for the main event. We saw CM Punk team up with Darby Allen, Sting, and Hook. For some reason, take on and defeat Brian Cage, Jay White, Luchasaurus, and Swerve. I, I just, I don't get this match. It was all mismatched as far as feuds go. And you'd expect me to believe a match where Sting is wrestling is going to have an outcome where Sting doesn't win. It's just not happening. The GTS from CM Punk on Brian Cage was so much better than the GTS that we saw was the Golden Vampire hit. So that was at least good. And I like the ending with CM Punk choking choking Brian Cage out because he's looking directly at Samoa Joe Sending a message to Samoa Joe for All In. And then Samoa Joe went into the ring to brawl with CM Punk. Sting and Darby Allen went for Swerve. Jungle Boy ran down to attack Hook. It's like the only ending that AEW knows how to do before a pay-per-view. Gotta have a big brawl between everybody. All the, the feuds together, boom, set him out. The end. Moving over, though, to AEW All-In, making history in Wembley Stadium. Uh, this, I did not watch this full event. I saw the, the kickoff show. I watched the main event. 
But we saw Powerhouse Hobbs, the very first thing you do in a sold-out uh, or a record-breaking crowd, I should say, is a contract signing? Is that... I mean, that that's a bit goofy. But he comes out talking about how Miro didn't sign the contract for All Out. He signed the contract. And then Miro came out, they signed the contract, they brawled. That's the very first thing on that card. And then you skip forward a little bit. You have Triple J come out. Jeff Jarrett cutting a promo about how U.S. wrestling paved the way for this event, for All In, and put over all the U.S. promoters, Taz Channing USA included. I thought thought that portion of that segment was fantastic. I thought it was hilarious. And then you get to Big Show and Anthony Agogo. Kudos to Anthony Agogo for being used. He was used in the press release of All In. And it's like, in what world is Anthony Agogo named here? We haven't seen him in, in like three years, it seems. Two years. But he comes out. And then finally, Grado comes out, obviously without uh, Madonna. But he gets a huge pop. They go at it. The faces obviously go over. And I think there was supposed to be maybe a a four-man tag or something. An eight-man tag, I mean. Rumored where Big Show would have been Captain Insano for that match. But I'm happy that didn't happen. And then we go to the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. Where better than you, Bay Bay, pick up the victory over Aussie Open. To become the new champions. We saw Aussie Open attack them before the match. I thought it was a decent match. I don't think it was the best showing for, for anyone in this match, but the the kangaroo kick spot I thought was great. It's it obviously, it got over huge with the, the crowd. So, we have new Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, that in the main event of All In. Uh, we have, we had a, a Mercedes Monet in the crowd. She had a uh, Wyndham armband on, so I thought that was cool that she got to pay tribute to Bray Wyatt, even though she's not even part of AEW. Uh, So it was interesting that she was shown on the pre-show. I didn't understand why then and not like before the women's match. I don't know if they're going to try to set something up once she's cleared. I know Soraya did mention that on the press scrum, uh, media scrum, but it was cool to see Mercedes Monet there. After that, the main event of of Zero Hour saw Hook pick up the victory over Jungle Jack to become the new FTW champion. Uh, Jack Perry came out in a limousine and Hook and Jack brawled up on the entranceway by the limo. The rolling thunder from Jungle Boy on the, the limousine I thought was really good. The, the teasing of him doing the Van Terminator I thought was another good spot from this match. And surprisingly, he controlled most of that match, which is something we don't really see with Hook. But Hook was obviously going to be winning. He was obviously going to be making Jungle Boy tap out with the Taz mission. Um, so Hook wins. Backstage antics happen. Brawl In is now a thing. Certainly not going to talk about Brawl In, but it happened. It's unfortunate. Both parties should know better. More one one side part. One of the parties should know better than the other side, though, at this point. 
Uh, and there's an investigation, so I believe both competitors of the Brawl-In are suspended. And uh, one of them went on to, to go open the card. CM Punk picked up the victory over Samoa Joe to retain the Real World Championship. Uh, I like the spot where Samoa Joe put CM Punk through the commentary with the, the swing. He caught him off the Hurricane Rana. I thought that was a cool spot. But again, I didn't see this this pay-per-view, so... I just saw like gifts here and there. We saw the Bullet Club, Gold, and Takeshita team up and pick up the uh, victory over the Golden Elite, which was something I wasn't expecting. But I'm very happy that Takeshita got the victory over Kenny Omega. And I hope that happens again. FTR picked up the victory over the Young Bucks to retain the championships. They aired a thing on Dynamite that happened after this match where the Bucks apologized because they were supposed to, I guess they were supposed to win. And then the Bullet Club Gold came in and made fun of both teams. So now they're friends again and now they're teaming up it all out. How that makes sense, goofy, dumb, stupid, etc. After that, you had the stadium stampede where Eddie Kingston, best friends, and Orange Cassidy picked up the victory over the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, the spot with Sue showing up with cookies I thought was funny. Uh, outside of that, I really I didn't see anything. I mean, I saw the there was a Penta, Penta Obscuro came out. I thought that's pretty cool. Um, and also that skewer spot is just gross. But Soraya, after that, picks up the victory over Hikaru Shida, Tony Storm, and Britt Baker to become the new AEW Women's Champion. Soraya came out with her whole family to Queen, which is like a crazy entrance. But, and it's like, how is she not going to be winning with an entrance like that? And I think it sucks for her car, Rashida, because she literally, I feel like, just won that championship. I don't think she got the, the reign she deserved. Uh, and it just overall sucks that they didn't include more women on this card. Because you have a two-hour pre-show... You could 100% either fit on a Ring of Honor Women's Championship match. I think Athena is currently the longest reigning women's champion in AEW's history, uh, in ROH's history. You could have 100% put Chris Statlander on. She can't defend the title two weeks in a row. I'm pretty sure she can. She's a champion that would do that and has done that. And we've seen her kind of just fall off. You could have even had a random eight-woman tag match. It's the pre-show. Anything. It's your biggest event in, in the company's history. And you're like, ah, let's just book one women's match. Tony Khan called it a tribute to AEW, uh, to All In, the original one. Because they also had one women's match. It's a tribute. Time constraints. It's just BS answer after BS answer. And I mean, even to, I'm not going to cut forward yet, but looking at dynamite from this week, there, there's no women's division. They don't care about booking the women's division. It's very apparent. So I think the women in AEW hundred percent deserve better. And everyone's like, Oh, they're saving it for all out. I don't care about all out. In a scenario where I'm looking at the biggest event in your company's history, 
you're only going to put one match, that's dumb. That's very dumb. After that, you got Darby Allen and Sting teaming up against Swerve and Christian in a coffin match. Obviously, Sting is there. Sting is going to win. He came out to Metallica. I thought that was a pretty cool thing. And that's really the only thing that I could say based on all the gifts that I saw. Uh, other than Sting is nuts. This this version of Sting is like so nuts. Also came out wearing a tribute attire to Lacey Evans from Saudi Arabia. Uh, after that, Will Ospreay picked up the victory over Chris Jericho. Jericho performed with Fozzie beforehand, so I think that's cool for him. Uh, a lot of people, I think, liked this match. Based on Twitter, I would assume they liked this match. And Osprey, like he said, he's got his, his contract's up in six months. He's going to be a hot free agent. After that, the acclaimed pick up the victory over the House of Black to become the new trios tag team champions. House of Black paid tribute to Bray Wyatt during their entrance, so I think that was pretty cool. Uh, and outside of that, I think it's cool that Bowens gets to win the championships, even though I don't like the outcome of this match. Uh, I think it's cool that Bowens and Max Caster get to win the tag titles in front of that many people in this history-breaking event for AEW. And then we cut to the main event. MJF picked up the victory over Adam Cole to retain. The end of this match was, I hated this match at the end because Bryce does that double count to lead to a draw. And it's like, I know it's storyline, but I really wish they would stop doing double counts for stuff. It's it just, it's goofy. It's It doesn't make sense to do that. It's so cringe when they do that. You're a referee. You know one side or the other has to win or lose. That's the point of a match. Draws should not exist unless there's an Iron Man match or whatever. You run out of time. This, you're going out of your way to count both men. And I think that's so dumb. Just be like, nope, no count, no count. Does that not make more sense to do? But then MJF... Adam Cole's like, oh, we can't end like this. We need five more minutes. MJF is like, no, absolutely not. We're going as long as we can. So I think that's cool. But MJF eventually takes out the the Dynamite Diamond Ring and teases using it after Bryce Remsburg gets hit with a Panama Sunrise by mistake. That seems like one of those moves that you could easily stop doing in the middle of it. You jump off the top rope, you see the stripes. You see, it's not MJF. You could you could stop it. You don't have full momentum there. So MJF teases using the ring. He puts it away. And Roderick Strong showed up to low blow MJF. Adam Cole hits the Panama Sunrise on him. And then hits a last shot. And the referee was still out. So Roddy tossed Adam Cole the championship. And he's like, use it. You need to use it. And Adam Cole teased, just like MJF teased using the ring, Adam Cole teased using the championship. And what did he do? He tossed it aside. He, he tossed the, the championship out, refused to use it, and MJF got an inside cradle, I think, to, to retain the championship. Afterwards, MJF tried to cheer Adam Cole up, being like, oh, we're still tag team champions. Adam Cole tosses the Ring of Honor tag titles out of the ring. 
And MJF yelled at him. He's like, oh, you never cared about me as a friend. Tossed the title at him. He's like, just do it. He turns around. Get it over with. And then Roderick Strong tried to make him do it. But Adam Cole put his title down and and they, they hugged. And they both had the stabbing hug. So Adam Cole and MJF. And then the kingdom came out to to hold Roderick Strong back. But I'm shocked that we didn't see Adam Cole turn on MJF there. But I guess if you're going to have a crowd so interested and so invested in this brand new team, then it I guess it really would be dumb to, to break them up. But that is AEW All In. Moving over to Dynamite that opened up with Jon Moxley taking on and picking up the victory over Commander. How do you go from the biggest event ever and go right into this? What's the point of this match? I didn't understand that at all. And then you go backstage. Tony Storm gets interviewed saying that she's got no friends now. She can't trust anyone. Blah, blah, blah. Yada, yada, yada. Chris Jericho had a promo in the in the an in-ring segment. He called Sammy Guevara out to apologize for shoving him after their match, after Jericho's match at All In. And he kind of, he puts it on Sammy for a reason. He's like, oh, well, maybe if you did this, I would have won. And Sammy got pissed. He's like, well, maybe if you did this, you would have won. And they went back and forth blaming each other for different things. And then Jericho pitched both of them teaming up to become tag team champions. And they hugged. So as of right now, it seems like they will be on good terms to to maybe I don't think they're going to beat FTR but it's like maybe they can and then Don Callis tried to recruit Sammy later for the the Don Callis family and Sammy told him to get lost and they went back to commentary and Tony Schiavone (laughs) repeated that I thought that was really funny uh, after that, though, we saw Eddie Kingston pick up the victory over Wheeler Yuta to retain the the uh, New Japan Strong Openweight Championship. It was a decent match, and Eddie Kingston had to to hit two spinning back fists to to actually win. So Yuta doesn't look like weak taking that loss. And then Claudio showed up afterwards. Literally, he didn't look at all at Eddie Kingston; just walked right past. Walked around the ring, ignoring Eddie just to get to Yuta. And uh, I don't know why they didn't announce the, the Ring of Honor match during this segment. Since Claudio's the champion. I don't know why they didn't do that. Uh, Adam Cole then had a segment. He wanted to discuss a few things. But the Kingdom came out with Roderick Strong. They interrupted and Mike Bennett cut a super fired up promo. And I mean, Mike, uh, Michael Cole, Adam Cole kind of acted like he didn't have history with the kingdom. So that's what kind of fired up Mike Bennett. And I thought this was a fantastic segment from Mike Bennett. And then you cut to Matt Taven talking fantastic segment from Matt Taven. And then Roderick Strong, they announced, MJF in, in passing announced that they're going to be having that battle royal for uh, Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, number one contenders for that. And then also a tournament to see who will face him at Grand Slam, uh, which I don't know why they didn't do a battle royal at at uh, at All In. We could have had a women's battle royal. But 
Roderick Strong goes on to say that he's going to enter the Grand Slam tournament and beat MJF to become that champion. This was my favorite thing from Dynamite. This, this, it was so fresh. It was new. It's not, we, we have not seen the kingdom in this fashion before. So I thought this was the best thing from Dynamite and I'm, I'm invested in seeing this. The only person right now that like would make sense to, obviously I understand why he's being left out, but it would make sense to eventually maybe include Matt Hardy was part of that group. So he's clearly like far, far, far off on the sidelines. He's, you're not seeing him at all in this segment. But maybe we can see down the line something where it's like the the kingdom is like fed up with Adam Cole. They're trying to convince him, trying to convince him. Maybe they need a, a, a another partner. Maybe it's going to be MJF, Adam Cole, and somebody else. Or maybe Adam Cole's like, hey, I know Max, you don't really want to wrestle. Would you mind if I ask the Hardy Boys to team up against the kingdom Something like that, I think, would be cool. Because then it then it pits off two former members of the kingdom against the kingdom. I think that would be cool. After that, Chris Statlander, Hikaru Shida, and Britt Baker picked up the victory over Nyla Rose, Emi Sakura, and Marina Shafir. I think a majority of this match, obviously, Hikaru Shida and Britt Baker couldn't have been a part of it, but this could have happened on the pre-show at All-In, 100%. Even with the champion in the match, it felt like this just felt like a pre-show match. The match itself doesn't do anything to push Chris Statlander versus Ruby Soho for All Out at all. Afterwards, obviously, she came out and attacked uh... Chris Statlander, but that doesn't do anything for the match during the match, I'm saying. And the the main focus of this was really Hikaru Shida and Britt Baker having miscommunications. They got back into the ring to back Ruby up. But this, how is this like your go-home show to All Out and they're like, well, it's just a random six-woman tag. She could attack her afterwards. That makes no sense. That's the women's division. Completely in a nutshell. After that, the Acclaimed had the championship celebration. They debuted pink strap championships. That scissor. I think the straps, the strap scissor, and I think that's pretty cool. But I, I don't, I think they'll be cool in figure form. I think they need to stop doing custom straps. And if you're going to have a custom title in the company, like, at least have it be one person at a time. And right now, MJF currently has one. So he's like the champion. I don't think these trios titles needed to change. And they 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 do so many custom titles so often. It just, it's, it becomes almost meaningless. So it's unfortunate, but maybe uh, with this champion cel- championship celebration, I think they said uh, Soraya was sick. They is in the news sites, so I don't know if she's going to be making it to Collision. They announced a match with the Outcast, but I I would like to have seen her have a championship celebration. And that could lead to to other stuff. After that, Orange Cassidy picked up the victory over Penta to retain the championship and move on to the pay-per-view. 
I think some of this was really entertaining and some of it's like, I wish they would stop doing stuff like this. And in the end, I don't think this match should have happened. I don't like that AEW has champions needing to to defend their titles in order to get the pay-per-view match. This happened, we just saw it with Hikaru Shida the other week. In order for her to get to All In, she had to win a match. Uh, To me, that doesn't make sense. And in this match, Orange Cassidy, for most part, getting beat down. He's doing moves, obviously, too, but getting beat down and then wins with that roll-up. That's a very standard Orange Cassidy match, just like Darby Allin. And he cuts a promo afterwards about how beat up he is, but he's still defending the title week after week, putting on these great matches. I don't think this was a strong finish to for, for this episode, though. I don't think this was... Like, I don't know how this is... This didn't feel like a go-home show to a pay-per-view. And even more so, like, what John Moxley... How does that set up John Moxley to face Orange Cassidy? What does he do to get that match? I don't remember if Mox did anything to get that title match. And what does Mox do on the show before the pay-per-view? He just has a random meaningless match with Commander. And then shows up after this, this promo from Orange Cassidy to shove him and eat what looked like a very weak slap from Orange Cassidy. I guess that could be factored into him being broken down and battered. But I thought this was a terrible follow-up show from their biggest show ever. And I don't think it was a good go-home show to All Out. And I know Tony Khan said that he loves traditions and that he's going to do the same thing next year. They announced All In 2 at Wembley again. I think he really needs to reconsider and not do... You're not filling enough for for two pay-per-views. There's no way to fit storyline in there like that. And you factor in one of them being 80,000 and then one barely selling 10,000. Again, why why shouldn't Chris Statlander have been booked for that one versus the, eh, here's 9K people versus here's 81,000 people? How do you determine that? That's just, I, I don't think that's, I think we should not have all in like that. Not all in, all out. It's focused on a holiday weekend. It's focused on a holiday weekend. I don't think that, I don't think it works. And this card, all out, taking place this Sunday. Chicago, Illinois, United Center. It doesn't look like, I. it's not like pay-per-view quality. Luchasaurus defending the TNT Championship against Darby Allen. I have to hope that Luchasaurus wins. Miro versus Powerhouse Hobbs. It's been like a a stalemate between the two of them. I'm going to say Miro. But I would... I I can't see either of them winning this match. AEW TBS Championship. Chris Statlander defending the title against Ruby Soho. I'm going to say the championship stays with Chris Statlander, the champion... We have the AEW International Championship on the line. John Moxley challenging Orange Cassidy for it. I think this is going to be when Orange Cassidy's reign ends. I think Moxley, because Cassidy cut that promo and beat up. What does Moxley do? He beats up even more. We have Kenny Omega versus Takeshita. I hope it's Takeshita. 
I really hope it's Takeshita. Bullet Club Gold uh, taking on FTR and the Young Bucks. I think even though the FTR and Young Buck matches in the past where they've tagged came up short, I think this time they're going to win. I think it makes sense to have FTR and the Young Bucks win. Unless, I don't want to see this, but unless the Young Bucks turn on FTR and then join Bullet Club Gold. I can't see that happening. That that better not happen. Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships on the line. Actually, I'm not going to cover that one yet because that seems like it'll be the main event. Tag Team Match, Eddie Kingston and Shibata taking on Blackpool Combat Club. Eddie Kingston and Shibata. Has to be. I thought this was a fatal four-way, though. That's funny. Uh, World ROH World Television Championship on the line. Samoa Joe defending the title against Shane Taylor. Samoa Joe. No questions. No doubts. Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. Better than you, baby, taking on the Dark Order. I guess they won the Battle Royal. Spoiler alert. From Rampage. Uh, Better than you, baby. What match here screams main event? None of them. Not John Moxley versus Orange Cassidy. I could certainly see that being the main event, but like you're going to have a Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship main event this? I don't think so. I feel like that'll open the, the show. Not one of these matches screams main event to me. That's It is what it is. AEW All Out. Hey, Brandon. You got any shout-outs? Listen to Brandon's shout-outs, because when there's (laughs) shout-outs, there's honey. Riverdale gets the first shout-out because they ended their run after six years, seven seasons the other week, based on the Archie comics, if you've never seen the show. And uh, I think the show definitely has its ups and downs but overall i've enjoyed the show so do you know who each character is because it seemed like whenever i saw a review it was like people didn't know who was who in the comics at times if well comics wise like you have to know the main four i don't know if yeah. i don't know of any of the other characters i know obviously josie and the pussycats and sabrina are also characters so Outside of everyone else, I don't know if they are in the comics, but obviously Jughead, Archie, Veronica, and and Betty. Uh-huh. Obviously, they are the named, the main four characters that I know from the Archie comics. I'm not an Archie comic reader, but... Yeah, I, just I wasn't knew, either. Like, that's part, part of pop culture where I knew them going into it. So, I enjoyed the series. I really just wish Luke Perry was still here, that he could have been part of the the series finale. My next shout-out goes to Vacation Friends 2, which the main cast from the first movie, they're back for the this follow-up film. It it's adds, John Cena, so I gotta see it. Yeah, it adds Steve Buscemi to the list. To the cast, I should say. I think the first one was so much better. What is this on Hulu? Yeah, or? it's on Hulu. So I think it was still enjoyable, even though I I thought the first one was like a lot Better. more funnier, and I thought there was a lot more to it. But I think John Cena he works very well in comedies like this. So I think it's worth checking out just to pass the time, even 
And, uh, yeah, check it out. Bob Barker gets the last shout-out. He unfortunately passed away last week at the age of 99, a few months shy of 100. Obviously, everybody knows him. If you don't know him, he was a game show host legend. He got his start in radio, but then he moved to hosting uh, Truth or Consequences, replacing Jack Bailey as the host. And then in 1972, he began hosting The Price is Right, which I'm sure everyone around our our age knows him. As the uh, you may of, know him also from uh, Happy Gilmore. Yeah, but and that's like when you when you stay home sick from school, you're staying home and you're watching some of The Price Is Right at least. So I think uh, I mean even you still watch it in in the doctor's office today. Yeah, but Bob Barker ended up hosting. Uh, he hosted it until WWE Hall of Famer Drew Carey took over in 2007. And I believe it's the longest-running game show in the United States right now, on air. But we saw Bob Barker host Monday Night Raw in 2009, where he hosted a Price is Right game. Howard Finkel was the announcer. You had Santino, Jillian Hall, IRS, Chris Jericho. They were contestants. He also had segments with Kelly Kelly, uh, DX, The Bellas, Rosa Mendez was part of it. Chavo Guerrero ended up uh, getting attacked by Bob Barker which I have to assume you you made mention to it before. Maybe that was like an homage to what he did in Happy Gilmore, where he fought Adam Sandler. So So I thought that was cool. And Bob, he always seems so friendly, and I think he would have been a really cool person to have met. And uh, his father apparently was a wrestling promoter at one point. Huh. He had done an interview with Chris Jericho years ago where he didn't realize that he was – he had worked with Chris Jericho, so that part of that's kind of like funny. Uh-huh. But uh, he said that his he, he wasn't a pro wrestling fan, but his father was a promoter, so he knew like Gorgeous George before Gorgeous George was huge. I think that's what he said, so I thought that's pretty cool. WWE also paid tribute to Bob Barker on Monday Night Raw this week, but our condolences go out to his family and his friends. And those are my shout-outs. Now it's time for our Mark Out Moment of the Week. That is right, our Mark Out Moment of the Week. I am going to say seven weeks of John Cena. Yeah, seven weeks of John Cena is going to be fun. I marked out for John Cena being back for seven seven weeks. Uh, if he does open challenge, great. I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of John Cena, so I'm excited for that. I think uh, definitely that one-arm powerbomb ankle lock combination that I said from Julius Creed. Yeah. That was just so amazing. But uh, pop culture, I guess, wise, um, Serena Deeb. Jordan Grace, Aaron Stevens, Damian Sandow, and Nick Aldis were on last week's episode of Heels. And I didn't know they were even supposed to be on this season. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's really awesome. They all played pro wrestlers. Serena Deeb had a bigger part than everyone else, but I thought that was pretty cool. And then yeah. on Grownish, which is a spinoff of Blackish, the character Junior was talking to the camera 
about something, and he's like, I'm racking up wins like Nitro Era Goldberg. <laughs> and he brought up the Who's Next motto, and I thought that was pretty cool. It was like so out of like, I wasn't, I would have never expected something like that. So, yeah. Obviously, I, being a wrestling fan, pop for that. Yeah. Something I, I also marked out for it was uh, the Stadium Stampede match on AEW. I thought that that was really a fun and entertaining match to watch. Um, even though I'm not a big hardcore fan, but I definitely found it very entertaining. Did you have a favorite part of All In? Favorite part of All In? I did like this, the the end of MJF and Adam Cole where MJF was going to go for the power bombs, uh, the pile driver spot on the table, but then decided not to. And Adam Cole ended up doing it. So I like that kind of change of heart that MJF is going through. Um, but yeah, I think that I liked a lot that took place during that entire event. Was there a worse I think part? there's a lot of takeaway. I think that I'm very happy that they broke the record. You know, kudos to them. I think it's great for pro wrestling. Was there a worse part for you? Everything that involves CM Punk. Everything that involved CM Punk. I I think that his matches are repetitive. I don't, and unfortunately, I don't think they're super repetitive. I think he does put out good matches, but it's just... Everything that he, the thing is that everything that takes place backstage oversee, uh, oversees everything that takes place in the ring. So this happened on two of their biggest yeah. pay-per-views so far. And I, I do think talk- I do think that unfortunately the brawl in thing kind of overshadows everything else. But yeah, unfortunately, like nobody's talking about MJF. Nobody's talking. Look how many champions there are coming out of this. The acclaim. <laughs> I mean, nobody's even really talking about Mercedes Monet being there. And exactly, it's just all I mean, brawl I, in. I mean, let's not forget we marked out for the acclaimed. Yeah, you know, champions. I mean, totally marked out for that. The acclaimed becoming champions totally marked out for all of the title changes I was a huge fan of. But unfortunately, nobody is talking about them because of CM Punk. I mean, I don't want to put all the blame on Punk, but I do. I I said earlier I wasn't going to talk about it. Then I spoke a little bit about it. I still feel like that CM Punk is that party who is... He's he's been in the year. He's been in the business for years, and he should know better by now. And then there's like people outside of of wrestling or whatever. Not outside of wrestling. Outside of um, AEW. Outside of like the companies. Out like they're fans like us. They do podcasts or whatnot. And people are like, oh, I think it doesn't matter that like this spot shouldn't matter. This is it's pro wrestling, a sport where they just happen to be able to do stuff like that backstage. There's not going to be charges brought. There's not going to be this. There's not going to be that. And we saw that happen with with Brawl Brawl Out. Where people are like, well, obviously there should be charges filed. But it's because it's like that pro wrestling thing that it, it's just, that's not a thing. I, th- I think that it's really just unfortunate. Even if you don't want to put blame onto him, I feel like I agree well, with no, you I don't with want how to you blame. said he should, <laughs> how he should know better being that he is the veteran. But unfortunately, I feel like he is in comparison to how Hulk Hogan was with WCW territory. And unfortunately, I feel like the veterans of the locker room don't seem to be really standing up to CM Punk or even sitting him down and saying, listen, 
this is how everything is taking place, and maybe you shouldn't be doing this. But ultimately, maybe. if the stories are all true, I feel like it's it should fall on Tony Khan, and it fall, falls on the road agents because it it comes back to Jack Perry when he wanted to use real glass in a match or a segment, and CM Punk ends up being that person, the in between. We don't do that on this show, pal. We're not we're not dynamite. We're not rampage. We're collision. So if that's actually true, then that that falls on Tony Khan. That falls on the agents who are supposed to be there. I I agree talent with you. relations I that, apparently is not even allowed to be on collision. I agree with you. I think that Tony Khan has just as much impact in this because he's supposed to be the he is outside of everything. He is the leader. Even with Chris Jericho, Big Show, Christian, all backstage, Sting backstage. Mark At the Henry. end of the day, Tony Khan is supposed to be their leader, as is every business. When you look at, I don't, you look at, I, I don't really want to say WWE because you got Vince McMahon at the top, but I mean that's a good thing. But you have other businesses where the person, the CEO, the person, the owner, that is your leader. And it's also those other takes where people are like, oh, I go to work at whatever place and I don't, I don't like my, my coworkers, but I'll, I'll still like, we'll get into it with each other. But it's like, if you fight with your coworker, there's no way that's not going to escalate to something further where one of you or both of you are losing your job. Exactly. You'll be suspended. You'll be fired. I know if I was the owner of a, let's say I opened up a physical therapy place. I, it is my job to be the leader. And if somebody has an altercation with somebody else on the roster, both of them are done. Especially if it's in front of people or it's in front of your fellow coworkers. But again, I really really didn't want to harp on this. And I think it's a, a huge deal. Like I said earlier that they broke the record. Yes, that exactly. I they broke the record, and you know, I, I, if anything, I don't think that Tony Khan is mature enough to be a leader that he has to be. I well, we don't see any like bad things. I mean, not a hundred percent bad things taking place with uh, the Jaguars or his football club. No, but the thing is, he's also he may not have the proper. Yeah, I don't know how much... Tony Khan obviously has a lot of power in AEW. He's writing the shows. Yeah, but he needs to really be more of a leader. And unfortunately, I feel like you need other leaders that are below you, such as Sting and other people, to be able to help hold down the fort. Yeah, but I don't even think you put on people like that. You have have people who are supposed to be there and doing stuff like that, and... I mean, Christopher Daniels is, I think, one of them, and he's apparently, yeah. according to the net, not allowed to be there. So no, I I, I agree with you. So then put it on somebody that's not an in ring wrestler. Put it on somebody yeah, that is I don't know. that is like contracted to actually be like on the business side of things. But so I do agree with you. But, but again, I, that I, was overall, I don't want to touch on all of that. We had the mark out moment of the week. That's episode six hundred fifty six. You can check us out on Twitter at Marking Out at BTTG161 on Twitter and Instagram. Chris Sweendog, CM Sweeney85, David PTDPT on all three platforms. 
Facebook.com slash Marking Out. Marking Out 11 on Instagram, YouTube, and Threads. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Marking Out. At Marking Out on TikTok. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, MarkingOut.com. And we wish you the... The... In your future endeavors, have a fantastic week. Ah!